Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about colonization. Oh, yeah, man. Controversial boat. Where do you stand on colonization, Aaron? Well, it depends. Are you asking me in a comedic way or a serious way? I'm asking you. Take it however you please. Listen, uh, you know, it's funny. When this game was released back in the day, I don't think many people gave two thoughts about it. It's just another civilization type game. You're start. You're going to the new world. You know, it's a. It's sort of a. Uh, they've sort of taken a, a certain elements out of colonization to uh, uh, whitewash it, if you will. Uh, but I don't think it was a big deal uh, today. I think you would not do so good if you tried to release a game like this. It's not like this game's full of like X-rated stuff, where but the the topics in that are involved in it and the uh, actual access to what happened would cause. Uh, some people to get irritated or feel uncomfortable, I think, Bode. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Now, where do you stand on um, interplanetary colonization? You know, there's a lot of people that don't want us to go to Mars, don't want us going to the moon, messing around up there, because they're afraid that we're going to disturb some sort of like invisible, fragile ecosystem up there. What do you think about colonizing Mars? <clears throat> well, listen, I have I can only talk about it given the knowledge that I know from people that are smarter than me. One would assume that the that the you couldn't really screw up the moon. I mean it's effectively a big <laughs> dead rock, right? You it's can't not screw like up the moon. You know, now Mars, uh who knows? We don't know as much about Mars. Uh so again, it's probably not gonna hurt anything. Uh so I don't see a problem with it. I mean listen, to do anything on the moon, we're got to do we've got to build some you know, structures up there Moon to do base. anything on Mars. Effectively, we're going to terraform that if yeah. possible, whatever means we can. So, well, I played the board game. I've got it pretty much figured out. Which which board game? Terraforming Mars. Really? Yeah. That's a game. It's a game. It's really? a game and, and we, a lifestyle. Is it? What would you? You know, listen. Let's say you're king of Mars. Okay, you just like got it. up there. They just they just freshly uh, terraformed it up. All right. Mm. So, what is your first act as king of Mars? Mars Orchestra. That's <laughs> so you really got your priorities straight. Yeah, it's no, not... I mean I got to have a job, right? That's what you... you're not going to. So what about food and stuff? Mm, it'll work itself out. It always yeah, does. Yeah, and of course there's water. There Listen, may be water on Mars. We just you build some lucky. supermarkets, and the stuff will appear. That's how that's how America works, and America is Mars. The way I figure it. I would run Mars like West Virginia's ran to a certain degree, right? What's that? You put mean? up a home. You get you one of those. You take a bunch of old barn wood and you make yourself a little shack and an outhouse up there on Mars. Dig a ditch. One mm-hmm. thing about Mars is just like Earth. Dig a ditch. That's your outhouse. That's all you need right there. I love it. You know, and then you get the water out of the ground up there, and you t- see what you can do about making you know some sort of whiskey out of it. I think that's a, some sort of Mars still. Mm-hmm. Put that thing together. And then the next thing you do is get a couple of those moon buggies, right? 
and then you see how much weight they can pull, and yeah. that's what you do on Saturday night. And, moon and buggies, then you start, you know, and then you start bootlegging. Yep, and well, the, you need the moon buggies to get past the revenueers to transport your moon. You're bootlegging to the next planet out. What's the next planet I guess after be, Mars? I guess it would be Mars shine. Now think about it. Yeah. Hey, I like that. Trademark that. I Bam. Love it. Yeah, me too. Well, Aaron, I'd love to keep talking to you about Mars shine. <laughs> it is riveting. <laughs> but we should move on. Let's talk about Amiga News instead. <laughs> All right, Aaron, our first story this week comes to us from our Amigos Discord. Last week, for the very first time, Amigos fans from all over the world gathered together in the first ever virtual pub event. Aaron, this was a smashing success where we had tons of people participate. We had Chris Folds there, Pix was there, Figgy, uh, Reflection was there, Seb, all kinds of great folks. Jason was there, Edvin. Uh, so lots of fun times had. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to uh, to... Let everybody know that that was truly an awesome time. I, I was there for a little bit of it. I was coming off hot and heavy from Coco Talk, you know, my standing obligation to that to that crowd. Yeah, but, uh, it, it was a good time. Aaron, where were you during the virtual pub event? Well, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I, they invited me to the virtual pub event, and I didn't know how to get to the virtual pub. <laughs> I had no idea where to go, and so. What I did was I just didn't go. I didn't know how to get to. I didn't know what he was talking about. Mm. You know what? It was? So there you go. I, so I missed out on the virtual pub event, but it's, it looks great. Yeah. And I'm still not 100% sure how to get uh, how they got there. Is it how did they do this again? So we have this thing called the Discord. I've heard of that. Yeah. And on the local meetups channel, uh, the one and only Chris Folds posted a link on Zoom to get to the virtual pub. Oh, I see. That's how it went yeah, I, down. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like that idea of a virtual pub. Yeah. It's a lot so, better than what I usually have, which is the solo pub where <laughs> I open up Zoom to an empty screen and just get drunk until I pass out. Not as much now, fun. I believe but. I believe that this is gonna this is going down again and at some point in the future perhaps we'll we'll make this a monthly thing. So you'll have a shot as well as everybody else. So if you are a supporter of Amigos either on Twitch or on Patreon, uh, you can get in on the action. Just join our Discord uh, server, and uh, if you need a link for that, just send me an email. Let me know who you are, and uh, I'll let you on, and you can take part. Also, it's it's a it's a good time. It's like International Computer Pub. That's right. That's yeah. right. I love it. I love it. All right, Aaron. Let's move on. We're going to be talking about your favorite Amiga, my favorite Amiga. That's right, the A one thousand. Now, Aaron, of course, probably the most famous user of the Amiga 1000 was the one and only pop artist Andy Warhol. Uh, who can <laughs> oh, forget, yeah. if you've watched any of the footage of the Amiga unveiling, of him painting that sort of aged rock singer uh, in, in, oh, in multiple colors? Debbie uh, Harry? Yeah. She was hot. Come oh. on. Listen, uh, she's also and, super talented. Give her a break, Boat. So... People have always wondered what became of all of the images that, that Andy painted, because it wasn't just her. He also did several other things, both on and off stage. And originally, uh, these images were going to be published in a book. But uh, unfortunately, for various reasons, that never came to pass. And I think that for a long time, the, uh, some of these images that Andy put together using the paint program on Amiga uh, have been lost to the mists of time. Well, 
lost no farther because there's a company called Ion Tank that's actually preparing an Andy Warhol Museum Amiga exhibit. Okay, so I guess the 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 uh, the Andy Warhol Museum is a touring production, and they have a special exhibit within that dedicated to the Amiga 1000. Now, how did they do this? Well, this is going to shock and offend some of our users. So look away if you're squeamish. What they've done, Aaron, is they've gutted what they call "quote unquote" decommissioned Amiga 1000s. Okay. Uh-huh. I don't know what the word decommissioned means. I hope in my heart of hearts it means these are not these are broken units. They didn't gut, you know, working machines that have been decommissioned as in not in use anymore. But anyway, they've put what they call solid state electronics inside of them, which probably means a Raspberry Pi or, you know, some sort of an FPGA, maybe even an Unamiga or two or inside of these. And then they've taken the uh, the CRT and they've they've taken out the actual CRT and they've put an LCD monitor in there and then they've added a glass overlay to kind of give it that that CRT glow. Uh-huh. And what they're doing is that they're they're setting these machines up and you can interact with the Amiga uh, just as it would have been. You know, it's it's running an Amiga emulator, and you can go in and you can run various apps. programs. You can look at Andy Warhol's art. You can do all these things. And the keyboard and the mouse and everything have also been wired up to this device. So you're still using the original tank mouse and keyboard and all that stuff. But my question for you, Aaron, is, is this sacrilege? Is it sacrilege to take what is possibly a working Amiga 1000, the rarest of all Amigas, and probably not the rarest, but, you know, it's, it's definitely not the most common, and, you know, take all the guts out of probably throw the guts in the garbage and put some sort of uh, some sort of emulation device in there. One would wonder what this cost, because yeah. <laughs> I mean, Amiga 1000s can be bought for, let's say, if, even if they cost 500 bucks, mm-hmm. you know, for the setup. Uh, it seems like this is a lot of work. I wonder how many they put out there. You know, if they put out like two or three, it seems like it'd be cheaper just to get a 1000. And just stick it out there, right. stuff on it. This is like a lot of work. I mean, if you look at the, well, I, well, some of these pictures, reading, what's going on? Reading in some the of article, these? they said that they they were worried about the uh, the transportation of the Amiga. They were worried that something was going to get jostled around or something like that. And you know, the yeah. the the disk drives in these things. I know from personal experience, they're not always perfectly working. So, uh, but you're right, especially going overboard with, the, the, with all the work that they did on the CRT. It seems now, to be overkill. But I guess maybe in here. Wait, look at the, what is this? Yeah, what's going? You can't see this. It looks like they're grinding holes in plastic. Yeah, they're they're, they're they're grinding down the 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 glass and everything. It does I mean, seem to be an incredible job. amount of work. Yeah, so uh, it, it's maybe Ion Tank needed some justification for the amount they were charging to put on this this exhibit, and they're like, well, we need to find something to do with this to make it seem like it was us. And so instead of just putting out a one thousand with a couple of discs, they they went through all of this trouble. But I, I will say. Yeah. That at the end of the day, you look at the pictures of this thing sitting on the desk. I, I think that the CRT illusion would probably fool 99% of the... Uh, and let's be honest, too. If you're going to the Andy Warhol Museum, the Amiga exhibit might not be first on your list unless you're watching yeah. this podcast or listening to this podcast. So, But you know, in terms of the ways that they could have done this, this is probably not the worst way, uh, except for the fact that it appears that in the very bottom, or in all these pictures, I believe that that's an Amiga 2000 keyboard. <laughs> With the 1000. It's yeah, got an it, Amiga 2000 badge on it, I'm pretty sure. So I that's probably, this. that's an oversight. The sketch, 
the sketchy tech in me enjoys this photo of the Amiga tank mouse with that when they've cunningly stuck a couple of paper clips or something in the holes and just put some gator clips. <laughs> that's real hacking right there. That's the way that's the way I like to do it right there. Sketchy <laughs> style. So thumbs up to that. Hey, listen, I'm glad I I'm not happy that they butchered up some one thousands, but I mean they probably didn't really do a whole lot of damage to them. They probably, mm-hmm. you know, and hey, if they're decommissioned or whatever, you know, and they probably only did a couple. And a lot of people are going to see this, so I'm, I don't have a problem with it. Let them, you know, and this was a big deal. It's funny. This is one of those events that happens. Like, I don't know how many times Andy Warhol actually used an Amiga 1000, but by God, he was at that one event. They took right. pictures. So by God, that means it's part of his roving museum. It's, it's going to be in there. I like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, if, if any of our listeners ever check this thing out, if you go to the Andy Warhol Museum, which I don't even know. They, there's there's not a whole lot of information on this uh, on on this particular page, so this might be a work in progress. We'll we'll try and follow up when we can, and uh, and let you know when and where this thing is going to be on exhibit. Very cool, but all right, we're going to talk about some games now, and there are some games in development. Now, normally we don't cover games under development, but. <laughs> I'm going to make that part of the intro to this section. It's like the fifth time in a row you've said that. I don't usually but, talk about these games, but I couldn't help it. Yeah, because when it's stuff that I care about, I talk about it. So that's really yeah. how it works. Pitfall 2, Aaron, one of your favorite games of all time is getting an Amiga release. Check Not this, this out. version. Now, this, this is... is the, oh, this, this is the is, arcade version or something, oh, isn't it? Oh, I take it that. all back. I take it all back. So this is not a good game, you're saying. Well, I mean, this looks... I don't know what this is from. Let's see if they've got it written down here. Because this... I mean, I don't know what they're porting over. So it's, but this it, does it not says, look it, like any... The, uh, maybe, this is, maybe this was like the, the IBM PC Junior version. Oh, no. It says know. it's a fully working, completable port of the C64 release. So did you just never... Did you never play the I've C64? I've never played it on the C64, yeah. but I, you can tell it's just the beginning of it. It looks totally different than the one I played on the Ataris and on the uh, on the Coco. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to bury it, all right? Because I do love Pitfall 2. I think it's great. But I haven't played this version. And it might just be just different looking, but it looks nothing like the pitfall too so i mean you've played pitfall too. oh yeah i mean one, it looks it looks a million times the, the, the fidelity is much greater this is obviously they're taking the code from one of these ports and updating it with with better gra- with more high fidelity graphics i mean look at the gradients this could be an plus, aga game aaron plus quick claw there is not in the in the original pitfall too there there is no ladder and crap to him i mean he's there's a big long road there you have to how do you, you get, get to bypass him? that skunk get the it's it's not easy man but it's not mm. like that so they're you making know, there it, is, they're that's a, it down the structure's wrong oh no yeah. I, i've never played c64 version there you go okay so, okay yeah well, rob flack o'hara just said that these picks are, are not uh, from the C64 version. That's what mm, he said. So okay. there you go. Okay, well, so. you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on this, but I did want to bring it up just because I know that you do like Pitfall 2 a whole lot. In fact, you beat, didn't you beat Pitfall 2 not long ago? I beat Pitfall 2, except that the, the Atari version screwed me with all those additional levels that they have hidden in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? You remember that? I've never yeah. been so stunned. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, a great game. It took me years now, to beat it, but I finally beat it. Here's another here's another upcoming Amiga release, Aaron. Uh, there is going to be a uh, OCS port of Gradius coming to oh. the Amiga. 
Now, uh, you know, if you've played a lot, I think that we played R-Type on an earlier version of Amigos, and uh, that game suffered from a, a pretty good amount of slowdown. It looks like that the, the goal of this project is to eliminate all of that and make an arcade-quality port of Gradius. Now, are you as familiar with Gradius, Aaron? I mean, I've played it. <clears throat> the the R types the Gradius is not necessarily my bag. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've played them, uh, but uh, uh, this does look pretty. I mean, this is, looks like it's moving at a pretty good clip here. It looks okay. I mean, if these if these are your type of games, and I, yeah. some people just live and die by these. Oh yeah, uh, and yeah. I, I'm not condemning them because I I don't have a problem. With them. I'm not very good at them. Now the, this says then all of this all of these game news stories come to us from uh, our boy Neil over at Indie Retro News. He is the man, man, um, and he writes that uh, this game should be playable with an OCS system, 512k chip, and 512k slow mem or better. So, nice. uh, you know, play, yeah, so that it technically could be played on the Amiga 1000, although he says that a bare bone uh, Amiga 1200 is recommended for more fluid gameplay. So I'm guessing speed is probably affected at some point, but fluid at any rate, is overrated, but let's face yeah. facts. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is just another another new announcement of an upcoming uh, port, uh, another great uh, arcade port coming to the Amiga, which is super exciting. Yeah, looks good. Looks real good, Boat. All right. And finally, our last game news, Aaron, comes to us from uh, also from our friends over at Indie Retro News, a.k.a. also Saberman. Saberman and Indie Retro News kind of work hand in hand. How does uh, Saberman this, get these scoops, Boat? Listen, he's got his like ear to, to the guy. ground and his eye to the window. That's all no I kidding. can say. It's amazing how he does it. He's the king. He's the king dong of getting these super duper scoopers. Turbo Sprint, Aaron. Do you remember? Do you do you remember Sprint on the Amiga, or I mean, on the in the arcade with the big wheels and everything? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I remember so this, this too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Turbo Sprint is coming around the corner right to your Amiga. This is beta version one point four. I guess you can actually uh, download a beta version of this right now from McGeezer's itch.io account. So if you're a fan of these uh, single-screen, non-scrolling, top-down racing games, sort of like Super Hang-On, you know, this, This, of course, the Sprint series is what started it all. Uh, Super so, Hang-On? Uh, or not Super Hang-On, sorry, Super Off-Road. Super <laughs> you blew off-road. my mind. This looks a little, <laughs> this is like Indie Heat, sort of, you played mm. that on the Amiga. Okay, okay. So yeah, just, uh, you know, another, another cool arcade conversion coming our way. I wish racing was roaring like this. You got a bunch of guys ramming into stuff, and then all of a sudden, oh, by the way, there's a tornado that's just running through. The, <laughs> it's just running through the play field. Yeah. Oh, that would spice things up considerably. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. All right, now, finally, we have a story about a 30th anniversary worth celebrating. Aaron okay. Lemmings turns 30 this week. Ooh. It's hard to believe. That in 1991, we first saw those uh, green-haired, blue-bodied creatures uh, rolling around town. Do you remember the first time that you played Lemmings, Aaron? The very first time I played it, uh, it probably was on the old Amiga 1000 in, in a huge batch of discs. Mm. So could I sit here and say, like, it was a it was a eureka moment? No. it was. It, I was probably like, hey, the, ga- this game looks pretty good. I'll set it aside in this pile of 20 discs, and I'll, I'll, I'll put this other 70 discs back in the box. That's pretty mm. much the way I looked at it. But, yeah, this is one we've played many times since then, and it was a huge, huge hit. Yeah. You know, yeah. back in the day. 
So uh, happy birthday to Lemmings, and uh, here's to 30 more years of endless remakes and uh, putting it out over and over again to greater or lesser extents of being worthwhile to play. It is re- It is basically timeless, though. You can it go is. back and play this when it get yeah, No matter what system, oh, I mean, some are better than others, but I mean, on the Amiga, you fire this thing up, it's just as much fun as it was the first time I played it. When me and you played this two-player style, that was sort of fun, too. Yeah. I didn't get oh, to yeah. do that that much, so that was fun, too. I like that. Uh, thumbs up to that. A great release back in the day. Our next story, Aaron, comes to us from our Discord channel. The one and only Lobsterminator way up there in Finland, has been futzing about with the old C64. He's using a program called Lynx, a uh, you know text-based browser, and he was actually able to load up everything Amiga.com yeah. on his C64. How cool is that? I love it, man. That's neat. I didn't know our site had the ability to be seen on something like that. I so think I, I, I give all the credit to Jason Warrens. He yeah, personally coded. <laughs> he, he coded our site from the ground up from nothing. Yeah. And so uh, he, 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 I think he just put in the, the Lynx plugin. I think it's an EXE file. That's how it works, right? I got me. Listen, I, all these hosers are also geniuses. Yeah. I've noticed. So, yeah. And Jason's a technical wizard. So, yeah. Well done. He's in the chat. Good job. Attaboy, uh, Jason. Well done, sir. Yeah. And thank you, Lobsterminator, for browsing over to everythingamiga.com. Yeah. Neato. For all your C64 browsing needs, please stop by. <laughs> and finally, Aaron, let's talk about our new Amiga hardware pick of the week. This comes right. to us from RetroRewind.ca. And this is the Diagram 1.2.1. This is the diagnostic ROM chip that you can put into your Amiga 500, 600, or 2000. And so uh, if you have an Amiga that has some sort of issues and you want to figure out what's going on, you can slap, uh, you can take out your kickstart ROM, you just pop that out and pop this bad boy in, and it will dump all of the data into the serial port so you can run your test from another machine via a null modem cable and a terminal. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. That looks pretty slick. If you look at that, the menu there, gosh, you know, I wish... (laughs) Have you ever used any of these diagnostic chips? To Never. Do when a machine work? breaks, I, I throw it away. Well, <laughs> no, when a machine breaks, you broke it. Well, and yeah, so you know I, what you both did wrong. Can be true. You need to buy one of these and have it on hand full time, Boat, <laughs> along with maybe a technician. I can't tell you how helpful these things are. Uh, I've used them back. I've never used one on the Amiga, but I've used them back in the day to uh, troubleshoot PC stuff. And man, they're good, especially when you got real wacky stuff that have happened, like uh, uh, certain chips have gone bad or you've got a memory issue. Because memory issues are a good example of something that can just plague you. They can be intermittent and they can uh, they can cause you all kinds of problems. And, it, and you need something to diagnose this for you. It's hard, unless you just get lucky. You know, mm. and by the time you've sat there for a thousand hours pulling junk out, especially in the old days where you couldn't just pop out a SIM. I mean, it was a lot harder back then. And the Amigas are from the old days, so it's still hard. So yeah, yeah diagnostic ROM, I'm down with the clown. Plus the price is right. You can't Let's beat it talk about the price. Bucks. 11 11 Canadian dollars, Aaron. That's yeah. something like $9 US. That's that's hardly anything. Yeah. Uh, and uh in this world of overpriced Amiga hardware, it's good to see somebody making stuff in-house like Retro Rewind does and putting it out there at a price that everyone can afford. Yeah. So it's a heck of a bargain. 
we do thank uh, Record Rewind, uh, the uh, official sponsor of the Amigos podcast. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for supporting our show and please support them. Yeah. All right, Aaron. It's time to talk about colonization. Let's do it's it. Time. Put is it, it off long to, enough. It's time to dive in, is it? This is quite a game, uh, Boat, to to go into. So we're going to just kind of approach this in a... In a uh, uh, we're going to systematic fashion compartmentalize the various aspects of this game. But before we get to it, let's get to the basics, Boaster. <clears throat> I'm guessing since when we picked this, you seemed puzzled that I would have ever played it. I'm assuming you've not played this before. Would that be a correct assumption? I'd never, I'd never played Colonization before. But you had heard of it since you, because you were in a civilization, weren't you, back in the yeah, day? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, when I first heard this, I thought that this was like an expansion because later on down the line, I think one of the later civilizations had an expansion called Colonization. I could be wrong, but well, I seem got, to remember that. Colonization got re-released in 2014 on the on a, a newer engine. Oh, okay. I knew I'd heard of it recently. Yeah, and I've also been, I think it was 2014, I've also heard that uh, I haven't played any of the more modern civilizations, but I have heard that large chunks of this game were sort of, they were, I heard more, there's more of this game in the new civs than the the old civs. Oh, yeah, 100%, because I've played a ton of the new civilizations, (laughs) and this is much more, I was much more at home with this game than I was when we played Civilization 1 on the Amiga, which was pretty foreign. So this game came out on the Amiga in 95. Now, I will say this, uh, its first release was on DOS uh, in 94. Now, uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. I want to get into that. Um, this was published uh, and uh, put together by Microprose, uh, Microprose Labs. Uh, of course, they've done, we've covered uh, some other stuff on the show. They were on the Amiga. They developed Ancient Art of War, B-17, Dogfight, Pirates, Pirates Gold, Super Tetris, bunch of stuff. And of course, this, uh, this was designed by Sid Meier and Laurie Sennett. Of course, Sid Meier, for, if you've never heard of him... Most famous for <laughs> covert action. Well, yeah, it's funny. I looked at what he did. I mean, listen, we've talked about a lot of designers. And granted, Sid Meier, he didn't exactly... He didn't code these for the Amiga, but he came up with the game. Listen to just what... This is the stuff that appeared on the Amiga that he, that he designed. Civilization, covert action, F-15, F-19, F-117A... Pirates, Railroad Tycoon, and Red Storm Rising. Pretty good games for the most part. I haven't played Red Storm Rising. I've played all the other ones. Uh, so this guy's got a, had a good track record back in the day, obviously. Um, the uh, the crew that worked on this were pretty skilled. The graphics guys, uh, Dave, uh, Drew Northcott and Scott Johnson, had worked on a bunch of stuff between them, including stuff like Hired Guns. Uh, Pirates Gold, uh, Lemmings of all things, and wow. uh, XCOM. So, so these pretty guys had, a, a team working on this thing, right? And the coder on this was also the same guy that Gross was also the same was the, one of the coders, Scott Johnson. So I mean, he worked, he coded in for Hired Guns and and XCOM and Walker was another one he worked on. I love Walker. Uh, the music on this was Alistair Brimble. You ever heard of him, Boat? <laughs> a couple times, a couple <laughs> he times. He worked on everything, tons of the Dizzies, Arcade Pool, Agony, Alien Breeds, Body Blows. I did read something wacky on uh, Hall of Light on this one. Uh, Brimble said that he was doing the music for this and he was running out of time. And so he offloaded some of the music to a guy named Anthony Putson or Putson. 
Okay. And this guy was uncredited in the game. And so Br- Brimble said he was unhappy with that. Mm. So I don't know the whole story behind that, but so he did some of well, the Well, I mean the, the the background music in this game is a lot of covers too. Like there there's a lot there's a lot of uh old-timey music I play in this old-timey band. It's go there there's a, a whole association of us Aaron in West Virginia called Friends of Old Time Music and Dance. And uh-huh. all we do is, is we play a lot of old. It's it's not really like bluegrass. It's a different genre, but it's it's just sort of like old time music is from um, like music from eighteen hundreds and stuff a, like that. Like Americana. I guess like post Civil War. Yeah, Americana. There we go. Yeah. And my like, buddy uh, like was old Joe Clark time. is is yeah. is in this song. A bunch of a bunch of tunes like that. So uh, I'm sure that there is some original background music, but then there's also some covers too. It's a, it's a nice mix. I'm assuming they they arranged it or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I will say uh, while we're talking about it. Uh, the music in this, <clears throat> I got to give them credit. They've got several cuts, and they play they play just long enough to not wear out their welcome, and mm-hmm. then they sort of scoot along. Then the next cut will come on, and that's so. I thought that was okay. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll I'm not gonna you, lie. I, I turned off the music one, eventually. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There are thirteen tunes. Yeah, in this game, and for an Amiga game, that is astounding. You never get that, so that that's that's definitely an A plus in my book. And that is one of the few areas where the Amiga version I thought was superior to the DOS version. But we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a minute, because DOS was stuck; they were still in the Sound Blaster era, and it was a lot of that midier type stuff. So, um, this now I played the AGA version of this. Uh, apparently, there's an ECS version which I didn't play, and I know I see like someone in, in the Discord. Yeah, Pix- Pixels was look, He was looking for it, but I don't know if he ever he never found it or not. At least the WHC version. Uh, I never saw. I, I tried to find some different screenshots and things. I, I I'm not sure what would be different in the you know uh, in the in the other version. So, or maybe yeah. this is just one of these things where somebody said one time that there was one, and that it never actually happened. So who knows? And the funny thing is, if this is an AGA game. It's it again. We've talked, but I don't know exactly what they did because gradients in the sea. Like I mean, graphically, this is inferior to in a lot of ways to the DOS version. Yeah, uh, which we're, was you're, we're used to that though. Well, no, I'm not used to for, it. For, not, for, I, mean, I mean, think about think about the time period this was released. 1995. Well, it was released for DOS in '94. I will say this is this the is Amiga superior to the yeah. This there were the, there were two versions for a PC, a DOS and a Windows version. I had a heck of a time finding footage of the Windows version, but I finally found it. It was for Windows three one. Okay, think about that for a minute. And it's it is closer to the Amiga version in terms of the way the setup is than the DOS version. The DOS version is much more like Civ one in terms. There's not there's not multiple Windows like there is an the Amiga version. We'll get we'll touch on that down the line. Well, I was talking about it now. This got converted to, like I said, DOS, Windows, and the Apple Macintosh, which I can't find any. I've not seen any video of the Mac version either, and I looked hmm. uh, for it. So I don't know if no one's bothered to do it. It's for the Mac Classic, it says here, but I don't know enough about the Macs to make a decision. So like I said, there were two versions for DOS. This, this game came, the Amiga version was sort of derived from the DOS version, and then both those, I think, were kind of used to the th- on the Windows three one version. The Windows three one version, this is is hot garbage. All right, no, no, don't do that. You know, don't play that one. The DOS version has a lot of things going for it that the Amiga version doesn't. It, it's got better 
I read that you could get better spe- sound effects in this uh, if you had a certain amount of memory or whatever. But I, and I fooled with the settings, but I never got really the sound effects I did in the DOS version, which had really cool, like much more like sound effects, not just music, like hmm. chopping wood and metal clanging and cannons firing and stuff like that. Uh, the uh, you know the screens where you would just, uh, on the Amiga version when something would happen, they'd put this screen up with like a graphic. It'd say like founding a colony or something. It'd be like right. a picture. And mm-hmm. the picture is all kind of weird looking and washed out. Kind of like an saying? engraving almost. Yeah. Yeah. On the on the DOS version, they're in full color. Really? <laughs> they, they look perfect. I don't know huh. why. I don't know what happened there. You know, yeah. like, stuff like weird stuff like that. Uh, and I, that I couldn't figure out. Also, the, the DOS version had a real cool opening. Like this version didn't have a, a, a cool opening. The DOS version, when you pick which kind of a, uh, when you pick your difficulty level in the DOS version of this, they had different guys in different dress. What? Uh, for each level, like more splendous than the last, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you pick the country you're going to play, you get to see the different pictures, different guys that represent the countries. None of that in the Amiga version. I don't know why. That that, that I don't I don't know why. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. I guess they shortcut it. So maybe you're right, boat. I'm starting to think that maybe you you caught it. Just they just did they did kind of a not as good a job. Well, let's talk about the the whole windowed experience thing. Yeah. Because please. this is something that I've seen in Mac games before. For example, yeah. like and when you're playing the original SimCity on Mac, like all of those different windows, and, and I, I, I just haven't spent enough time with the PC version to know, all of the windows, like you've got like the main city window and you've got the, uh, the, the, the things that you can build window. When you launch the game, you still see your desktop running in the background and those windows just fit on top of it like they're application windows, like you've got the clock open or something like that. And yeah. that's the way this game looks but I don't know if that's actually the way that things are. Um, like, I never tried to move. I probably should have. I never tried to move around. In this game, unlike the DOS version, when you're looking at your colony, it's like your your colony, your overhead map is in a window, like an Amiga workbench window. Yeah. Uh, you've got different things in different windows. But it's not like you can still see your Amiga desktop running in the background. It's a weird look. And I thought, well, maybe it's because they were just they were porting it as part of like the Mac version and they were doing that with the Mac version. But I'm looking right now on the Macintosh Garden website yeah. and the Mac version looks exactly like the DOS version. Yeah. So that I, wasn't I, the oh, case. So I can even find me. I will say this. You can resize and move your windows in this perfectly. It's okay. just it's just like running a proper, you know, it's just like moving around windows. So, yeah, you know. The, and I know we're getting into the technical stuff before we get into the game, but it's sort of pertinent to the game because I, yeah. I, I, most of what I played this one was DOS, okay, back in the day. So coming into this, this really was a whole different experience, and I don't know if I liked it better. I, I still haven't decided. After playing, I went back and played the DOS version a little bit this week too. The, there, there are some things that this does that's weird. If you do something or click somewhere that the game isn't prepared for, you sort of get a thinking cloud. That just mm-hmm. sits there perpetually until you click off just somewhere else. That it's, yeah, that was annoying because the, yeah. because what you what you don't want to do normally when a computer is thinking, the last thing you want to do is start clicking on stuff because you can get it confused. But yeah. that's what you have to do. Also, I had issues with uh, with messages overlapping in the wrong order where I'd have somebody trying to tell me something, but I couldn't see it because a different message had popped up. And I couldn't move the windows around, like because you couldn't move, like it it would make me click OK on a lower window before I could see what it was had on priorities it. on the windows. Yeah, the yeah. priority, yeah, window priority. That's it. That's the technical term. Not good. 
something else I thought was odd on the on the uh, DOS version is like you can move your units just with the arrow keys, you know, which mm-hmm. it, we, unless they've got the little movement box. Yeah, it's not that's, bad. That's a, that's a that's a Mac thing, and it's horrible. Did you, yeah. did you did you I mean did you get used to it? Um, I are you sure you couldn't move your guys with the arrow keys? I want to say that you could. I I could not get my guys to move with the arrow keys. I had okay. to use the box. I box. always ended up using the box because my hand was on the mouse anyway. But I thought I remembered seeing something in now, the manual. Who knows? Maybe the I will say I, I I emulated this and and there was, I, I I didn't emulate it at first. At first, I was going to play this with the. Uh, uh, and, but I had trouble saving my game. Yeah, and you've and got so, to save your game. You've and got so to I couldn't even emulate it on the PC and use the save. I had to just use like a save state to save the game. I couldn't. I was. I had trouble saving this. Uh, that's what it is. The numeric keypad. I, I didn't use the ones on the numeric keypad. Uh, so your mileage may vary on some of the stuff. If you're going to play this for real, and you're not going to play this and beat it in one setting, unless you're some kind of mega god. You're gonna to want to get a, uh, use an emulator that's got save states, or mm-hmm. play this the appropriate way on the Amiga, and not try to be cute with it. So, with all that said, and we'll touch on that a little bit more in a bit, let's talk about the game itself. What is what is uh, uh, colonization? Bo, do you want to give us that? You're good at explaining this stuff. Explain what's going on here. Sure. So, in this game, you choose a country, and you set sail from uh, your original country in Europe to the new world, the quote-unquote new world. And the new world in this game is not necessarily the United States of America, um, but it is a very America, or you know, let's just say a North-South American deal. This is like the the, the Western world, basically. Um, and so you land in a place that's not unlike you know, Virginia or someplace like that, where you have lots, it's not a tropical landscape. You've not landed in Mexico or something like that. You've landed somewhere with a lot of dense woodland forest and stuff. And what you do is the the game is basic. Basically you, you, you farm the land, you collect resources and you trade. What makes this different from civilization is that you are constantly having to go back and forth to the mothership. That is the original the land mothership. that you come from yeah. uh, to, to, to get new colonists. Colonists just don't grow like they do in civilization where you've got babies having babies. It's a horrible thing. But the uh, <laughs> what you what you do is you have to go back and you actually have to get people to come to your colony. And so the, the growth of your colony is much different. But anyway, I, I don't want to go off too much on comparing this to civilization. Let's just talk about it on its own terms. So basically what you do is you you are able to farm the land. You can do different things like you can um, you can trap, you can uh, you can plant cotton and you can harvest cotton. Uh, you can mine for ore. And around you, you have the natives, okay? Mm-hmm. These natives are represented by real Native American tribes. Uh, and so you have like the Sioux and the Iroquois and all this stuff. And their settlements are where your people can go to learn new skills, okay? And, and this is sort of a thing that's also different about um, civilization. I'm just not even going to try. I, I have to compare it to civilization because there are so many well, things. It's people, natural. Yeah. yeah it's, people have played civilization, I think, more than colonization, too. And so it, yeah. it's helpful to have that. That So in this game, it's a very macro level, micro level game. You're looking at individual settlers 
so much more than you are yeah. in, in than in civilization. In civilization, you've got workers and they're out doing stuff, but you don't really care about them. What you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to develop different technologies and build wonders and get your military buffed up and stuff like that. And in this one, you actually have to care about every single person in your colony. Yeah, it's okay. big picture versus small picture stuff. You're worried yeah. about having enough cotton picked to make clothes or feed right. you guys or having enough lumber that has been uh, kicked off of the trees. It's much more small. It's much more tiny interest than you would have in something like civilization. That's one of the huge differences, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And <laughs> and it's also different. Like whenever you go to pick up people, OK, sometimes waiting at the docks, you'll have like a master carpenter and you're like, yeah, master carpenter. Cool. I can use him. But sometimes it's like, you know, like petty criminal. And you're like, oh, boy, do we want this guy on our team or not? But of course yeah. you do, because you got to have people. Yeah. So what you do is you haul that guy back. And sometimes he'll go, you can, you can, you can direct him to the nearest native, uh, you know, settlement and they will teach him how to do something. Okay. And I, it seems very reductive <laughs> that it's like, and this is one of these things that is probably would be done differently if the game were released today, where it's basically just like your guys just stumble into an Indian village and they're like, Hey, you want to learn how to become an expert fisherman? I'll teach you. And then they live together happily. You just drop this guy off, I guess, for six months or whatever. And then he comes out a master fisherman. But that's the way the game works. That's the mechanics. That's I like the fact that they guys. just get like, hey, you're new to our land. Here, want some? Right. <laughs> Here, we'll right. give you this big chunk of land. It's like, yeah. thank you. The natives like said, are super friendly in this. Yeah. Until yeah. they're and, not. Until they're not. And so the game progresses along and there are several other things that are going on besides just survival. So at the same oh, yeah. time, you're trying to foster a sense of Liberty and that's done through an organization called the sons of Liberty. You're trying to convince people that it's a good idea to want to be independent. And the, the, <clears throat> the aim of the game the, you win the game there. It's not like uh, civilization where you have multiple win conditions. There's no like scientific victory in this game. You win by fighting a war of independence against your original, you know, country and winning that war. And so while you're doing all this other stuff, you're recruiting various founding fathers. Um, and this is it's a very American centric game. I mean, this is they, they try and play it off like it could be anywhere, but it's America because well, you're hiring you the, freaking Benjamin Franklin to come and work for you. You know, yeah, they give you the option at the beginning to just to not play in the physical United States. Mm -hmm. You can have like, it'll be a change the land. But yeah. This game obviously was is based on what led up to the American Revolution. It is neat that they used legitimate. I mean, you're going to see Nate Paul Revere and Ben Frank and all these guys. You're going to see them in the game. You know, uh, now you can't go into this thinking that you're going to get a history lesson because that would be <laughs> that would be incorrect right. because you're not going to be doing stuff that like that happened in history, even if you try. Uh, but I like that aspect of it, Boat. I don't know about you. Just the, yeah, it gave it a yeah, little it flavor. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and we should talk. In, in the, another thing that's weird mechanically about this game, not really weird, but I'm going to try and explain this. Okay, so you've got two basically like spheres of play in this game. This is different than Civilization, where you're basically on the main map all the time. OK, imagine yeah. if in civilization, if you could actually go into one of your cities and see a different screen with stuff in your city. OK, what you have to do is you have to assign. First of all, you've got to decide, OK, when you've got your colonists, you've got to decide where they go. And if you have them join the colony, they're no longer f visible on the main map. You have to go into the colony view. 
Okay. Now the colony view on the lower left, you see just like in cannon fodder, how all the guys line up in the bottom of the screen. That's sort of like what you see. Uh, you've got all of your settlers there, all of your colonists. Okay. And what you have to do is you have to assign them to different places within your colony. So if you want them to uh, plant cotton, you know, you, you click on them and then yeah, a, a menu opens up and it says plant cotton, and then you click on that. And then on the right side of the screen, you see all of your natural resources, like in a big field, and you'll see your guy. You'll see that same guy go over there and, and, and be working the cotton. If you want them to do something within a building, the upper part of the colony screen shows little pictures of buildings. And as you advance through the game, you build more and more buildings that take the place of the trees, okay? And you, uh, so you assign people to various buildings or various things. This was the hardest part for me to get my head wrapped around because it because the resources appear on the main map. So your first inclination is like, oh, I see that there's like some fur over here. OK, I'm going to take my guy out of the colony and go over to the fur. And they're going to there's going to be something there where I can click on that and say, hey, you get the fur. But that's not the way it works. The, the, the on the colony or on the overhead map. All you see are the icons. You have to put your guys to work through that colony submap. Aaron, did you find that confusing, or did you did you glom onto that pretty quick? Well, it's funny. I don't know how many years it's been. I mean, this came out in 90. I played it on DOS, so I would have played this in probably the mid to late 90s. So I had just enough inkling of what was going on to sort of feel my way through. But I will say, uh, I didn't remember much, and that was one aspect of it that... that it, there were parts of this game that I would not call uh, uh, easy to ascertain upon glance. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna it requires some thought and some trying to figure stuff out. And I botched. I had to start over a thousand times because of mm. just screw ups I kept making. The, the 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 colony screen. Once you understand what how it works, <clears throat> it's not it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, it is it is nutty at first. It's it's actually laid out pretty well. It's weird, like I said, when you've played Civilization, and all of a sudden now you're worried about who the guy is that's going to be cutting down your cutting your lumber, you know, or whatever, or who's 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 cooking up rum, you know, and that, all that stuff's sort of important for your trade routes and stuff. Uh, but it, so there, there's it's it is what I would call micromanagement on a grand scale. I mean, you're really you're literally managing these individual people to do these individual tasks. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't like that sort of game, and I don't normally, <laughs> I know Boat said, why did you pick this? This isn't the kind of game you play. I don't know why I played this. I can't figure it out, but that's what it is. And in some ways it's kind of neat. They give you, when you're, when you're picking jobs for your uh, colonists, uh, they give you a ton of options. Mm -hmm. It's almost overwhelming, uh, and certain options require certain types of stuff. You got to have hammers. You got to have lumber or cotton, or you got to have you know this or that. You've got to you know so they can do their job, or sometimes they can overperform, and you've got too much stuff, and you've got to build somewhere to store it. Mm -hmm. You know that's when you get into building buildings. You're building armories and warehouses and docks, all this stuff, just like a proper city would have. You know so. Uh, but I mean, all of it's going to require your attention. They're yeah. not going to. It's not going to happen on your. It's that. There's no like the computer. It's not going to do it for you. You have to do it yourself. You've got to clear land and we're, and stuff like that. Uh, so it can that can be overwhelming real quick. You know, uh, I didn't play this on either on the difficult, more difficult levels. I played it on the basic level because I knew I was ba basic. Uh, but I've read that, like, on those upper levels, like, it, the game moves a lot faster and is a lot tougher. On the lower levels, they give you pretty much, you've got plenty of time to kind of figure out what's going on. I mean, things can still go south on you, but you've got plenty of time. 
once you've actually taken some of the once you've like for example gotten a bunch of fur or whatever you could you could put it in your boat and you could go back to England which you have to go back there when you pick up more passengers and you can go back and hopefully the market will be in your favor and you can make a few bucks. I was perpetually short of cash in this game. I don't know about you, Boat. Did you well, find, did you find yourself cash short in this game what, a lot? What I discovered is that, you know, raw materials are not the secret to to financial success. Yeah. You've yeah. got to set up, you know, you've got to set up a weaver. You've got to set up a a, a, a guy that can make the coats. Uh, you know, all of the things, because if you just if you take a bunch of furs over to England, they're going to laugh at you. Yeah, I so, took a bath on on just so many things because I would bring them back over from England and I try to sell them to people. And, and like the like the Native Americans would like lowball the heck out yeah. of me. I was like, man, I can't I'm getting killed here, mm-hmm. you know, and, and these guys, you can t- haggle with them. But it doesn't take much to piss them off, and then you're boned, and then you're stuck with all this stuff trying to figure out how you've got to unload it for whatever you can get. You've just lost. You spent all that time and getting it, and you've lost all kinds of gold. So, the the trading in this is 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 I'd say it's probably the most vital part of the game. Oh yeah, uh, you've you've got to learn. Uh, I mean, I remember doing this back in the old days, and I did a little bit this week. Is you can set up trade routes, and once you find a trade route that works for you, it'll sort of automatically do it for you, which is. That's handy once you get once you get a nice little fleet going. Yeah, but I, training I, is part big part of the game. I think the most annoying part of the game for me, and and I I, I discovered this too late is that you really at the beginning they don't make it abundantly clear that you can bring back tons and tons and tons of people when you come back, you know, from, from your country. So I spent a big part of my early, the early part of the week, just bringing back one guy at a time. Cause I thought you could only bring back one guy at a time. And, um, and that makes your calling and grow so slow and the game just moves so slow. Cause you can't do anything. Cause you don't yeah, have the manpower. I noticed that on, and it's the same on the Dawson. They do a, they do a real crappy job on the on the England screen on the boat boat yeah. dock screen. They could have they, they could have improved that a ton. Yeah, uh, I like like you said the the colony view looks great. Like once yeah. you understand what's going on, everything's there. It's easy to figure out the when you when you pull into port, they should have had something that looked just like that. You know, instead of there is really nothing on that screen. You know, seventy five percent of the screen is just the sky and the ocean. So well, that that. You're right. And this game is this game, this particular version is stuck between being a game for a Windows system and a game for a DOS is because you've got like you could some screens will let you drag and drop stuff, sort of. Mm-hmm. Some won't. Some require keyboard shortcuts. Like for the longest time, why can't I buy anything here at Angle? What's well, because you don't have enough money and you have to hold the shift button down when you drag it over to your boats. So you can buy less than a a hundred, yeah, you know, little things like yeah, that. Yeah, that that that. Oh, I agree with you a hundred percent. All of the yeah. drag and drop stuff, the inconsistency with using the mouse and using the keyboard, that is the absolute worst thing about this yeah. game. I'm glad it wasn't just me because that happened to be over. And the thing is, it, it would it was so different on the different screens that I would forget. And it was, so every time it made it difficult to, to to figure out what I was supposed to do. And that was a mm-hmm. that was kind of a pain that yeah. that part of it. And which brings me back to. Uh, the the different versions. Having played this on, the, having played the DOS version of this, where there is really there is none of that. And I mean, the thing is, having multiple windows, it's not a bad thing. Actually, it's a good thing. But I wish there was some consistency. You know, <clears throat> I just that it made it more difficult for me to get into. I when I played, I only played the DOS version about for about a half hour, forty minutes. But I was instantly, I could remember it a lot easier just because number one, I'd played it before. But number two, it's just. It's pretty much straightforward. It's not as it's not as weird. The interface is as weird 
as the as the Amiga version is. Now, if you can get past and you know, and I've told Bo before the show, it's like this game is going to be hard to talk about because there's so many aspects of it that you forget. I mean, there's you know, you're not only are you colonizing the new world. You know, you're influencing the religion of the Native Americans. You're trying to win the Native Americans over. You're trying to, or you're going to war with them. Or sometimes the Indians uh, in America are going to war with the French mm-hmm. or the Spanish, whoever's over there, because they're coming too. They're always trying to, the the other countries are always trying to claim the land for themselves, maybe cut you in for a little chunk. you got to decide when it's right to go to war with them. Then they, you know, sometimes they'll go out and slaughter a bunch of Native Americans, and then you've got to figure out what to do there. Uh, uh, you you know they'll if you're building roads and stuff you could have or if you go out there and loot an Indian burial mound they'll you'll make them mad so you've got to make sure you've got to decide am I going to make am I going to keep the Native Americans on my good side or am I going to go to war with these guys you know it's yeah, just there's a lot there's, to juggle there's a lot the, to juggle in this the, game. what did you think of the when you got into combat in this boat well it, I think of all of the things uh, you know in with colonization and civilization I think combat is probably the one that is the most similar uh combat is basically just dice is it's basically percentages and dice rolls um and you you know it's completely passive you click okay and you find out the results sometimes you feel kind of helpless yeah whenever it happens you know and often you can't do anything about it either you just get like you know (laughs) it sucks but you've got it's funny because this game this game is another thing that's weird about this game but i wanted to hear if you thought this the same way it it i'm not gonna say this game holds your hand but it it will kind of sort of hold your hand for some of this stuff, but some of it it just it doesn't give you any help at all. Well, this is <laughs> I think this game this game was coming out at a time when games were first starting to do this. The whole idea of a in-game tutorial hold your hand type experience in the early to mid nineties, that was a new thing. And so I think that they were they were like they knew it was a good idea. They just yeah. didn't implement it a hundred percent of the way. Because, you know, the great thing about this game, unlike a game like Transarctica, is that you can jump into this and the game will basically tell you what to do. And it's great because it's teaching you the concepts of the game. Now, the uh, what this game doesn't do is give you economic advisors right off the bat, like civiliz- the later civilization games do, where they're yeah. like, you know, your economic advisor thinks that you should build this, and your trade, you know, your your military advisor thinks you could build this, and it, it kind of gives you an idea of what the game thinks is best for you at the time. You yeah. don't get any of that in colonization. Um, but it, this is, it is a step in the right direction, and it was a breath of fresh air because it is so different than so many of the strategy games that we yeah. play. Yeah, I mean, it, and... We barely have touched on the whole purpose of the game, which is to effectively, eventually, to break away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, but as you go through the game, uh, the <laughs> which I think this is pretty funny. As you go through the game, the 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 British, the king becomes a bigger, bigger jerk. He's always like, he goes, "We don't like the you're all like your attitude. We're going to raise your taxes seven. Then it's nine percent. That's where." Mm-hmm. And so eventually, you can start staging protests and stuff. And as you're going through the game, you're, the colonists get more and more pissed off. I mean, sometimes it, it 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 waxes and wanes, but generally they'll get pissed off, and you'll and it that's measured. I think it's in Liberty Bells, so like, and it'll tell you the percentage of your colonists that are getting uh, irritated by the by the uh, British, the and as you and you can actually build up Liberty Bells with with some of the people in your in your uh, various colonies by assigning them you know political jobs, right? And that'll and it'll raise the ranks. And you've got to be careful. And I don't know how you. I didn't get far enough into this where I can really have a proper 
you know, stage a revolution uh, this time around. But uh, what you've got to do is you've got to marry. You've got to you've got to be careful, like how about your strength, your your uh, uh, how much good you have, all the just the amount of swords and stuff you have before you do anything real rash to piss off the British. It's much like when you if you're if you're dealing with other other countries' troops, you've got to be careful. Sometimes you may have to bend over and kiss the butt of uh, the Spanish or the French uh, or whoever or the English, depending on who you're playing, because you it's not in your best interest to go to war with these guys. Sometimes they, they usually won't just come over and just start slaughtering you, but they'll sack your towns and take mm-hmm. all the money out of them. And then they'll be like, let's talk about this treaty again. And right. then you're like, because if you don't stop them, so your choices at that point are, do I go get a bunch of people? Do I put a bunch of resources towards going over to get these guys or do I just kiss their hineys for a little longer until I can build my forces up? So I do like those elements of it, Boat. You know, there's a lot going on. Yeah, I think probably, you know, touching on that point, one of my main complaints about this game, which is a, it's a small complaint, but I really would have liked to have seen some options on campaign lengths or maybe some scenarios because, uh, you know, I played this game all week. And I felt like I was maybe one tenth of the way towards mustering my units of the army for revolution. I mean, I was I was not anywhere close to where I felt like I needed to be to actually do that. And then I went and I watched a guy play this on YouTube. He, he did it. Uh, he, he actually beat the game. It took him something like, I don't know, like 12 or 16 hours because oh, there yeah. were all these different parts, you know, multi hour <laughs> parts and stuff. And that's fine. I mean, these games, Civ Civ games are designed to be long for sure, but it would be nice to be able to jump into a scenario where you're getting ready to go to war just to practice. So when when the time came in your 16 hour campaign, you didn't throw it all away because you didn't understand how the mechanics worked, you know? Yeah. And and the thing is, as much as we've gotten into there, you could play this game. There's tons of replayability in this. That's I mean, you're right. It's it is not short. There's no doubt about that. But, I mean, you can play different countries, and each, and different countries have different advantages when you start. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. for example, I think the British things, they, they have more people that are willing to go over to the new world right away for right. free, which mm-hmm. is good. Uh, but then you've also got stuff like, who are you going to send over to so the Continental Congress, whatever, and, and, and their strengths. Some people are like military hawks, and some people are like experts on trade, and some people are experts on discovery. And so those guys give you a different, they, a different slant on how things happen. You know, when you send those guys up, so there's that, how you build your colonies, where you build them, you know, uh, I will say there are moments in this game that are sort of like Civ when you build a, one of the wonders or whatever, you get the big, you get a feeling of accomplishment. You get that like sometimes in this game too. You, you do, but I mean, it's like you built docks. And yeah, well, I mean, like, like oh, you could like when you find find the Pacific Ocean, or yeah, yeah, or you you've done you've done made peace here, whatever, or you know, but I mean, yeah, there, it's more subdued. Yeah, this game is just like I said, it's a very, it's a very um, subdued, complicated rendition of Civilization in a lot of ways. Uh, did you enjoy this more or less than your time with Civ, Boat? Uh, I enjoyed this more than my time with Civilization One. Yeah. But way, way less than my time with Civilization Four, which was like my ultimate uh, time suck civilization, where I, I would sit down and play that. For, you know, when I lived in England, uh, I, I'd sit down and I'd play that for like four hours a day, maybe four or five times a week. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, 
Yeah, the, the, these games, you know, Sid Meier, he he does an excellent job. He's a genius, you know, in yeah. game design because he skirts that line between, you know, full on Avalon Hill simulation and sort of like I'm I'm like not necessarily a fan of that genre, but I I want to play one more turn. It's that whole one more turn thing. Yeah, uh, he, I, I this, was getting ready to mention that. That's exactly it. it it's it, he. This is the potato chip of games. Right. You could sit through it, and you could see how. I mean, I sat down. I had two, I had two two hour sessions of this early in the week, and it was just like, like it was quick, quick as a hiccup, and it was over. And I was like, man, it could suck you in. You mm-hmm. know, I was I went to bed late one night for work because of this game. You know, and I had to catch catch a couple hour or two here or there, and but it can go on and on, and there's so much going on. I, I will say, I to someone like myself, maybe at this age, that I found it overwhelming the amount of stuff going on. I mean, it, in a good way, I guess, because there's a lot of options. Plus, you get news. I like the fact that it tells you, hey, the price of the price of cigars has gone down in London, mm-hmm. and it tells you what's going on with the Spanish. Oh, the, the Spanish plundered an Aztec temple, and they took, mm-hmm. oh, here, they're going to go get their boat to get all this booty, and they brought all this money back. And then it gives you ideas. Maybe I should do that. You know, right. Maybe I should go do that stuff. Maybe I should go uh, sack the Spanish. You yeah, know? It, again, it's just, it's one of those clever ways of being a tutorial without coming out and say, this is how you play the game. So. Yeah. Now, I want to... Uh, I want to touch on this, but we touched on a little bit in the opening of the show uh, of, of this. So what's not in this game? All right. What you're not going to find in this game is uh, much mention of the, of the sacking and general screwing over of the native Americans. I mean, you can screw them over, but it doesn't go into great historical. Accuracy. There's no trail of tears in this game. Yeah. You're also not going to find any slave ships coming in from Africa. Nope. That's not mentioned, which that was a, that was a big thing. You do have indentured servants in this, but that's a, there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't the omission of that. I mean, I don't know how you could have put that in this game and still had a game, but the I right. mean, because you, you, what you, do you, you think you, about the way that Sid Meier's approached those controversial topics? He, he would have he did it just like I would have done it. Just pretended like they didn't exist. You know, you <laughs> yeah. can. But the problem is, is that Benjamin Franklin did exist, you know, yeah. and when you when you that, mix the real with yeah. the imaginary, that's the problem. So probably what I would have done is I would have had a guy that looked like Benjamin Franklin, but I would have called him like, you know, Sal Leotard and said, this is your guy, you know, and and in that way, I feel like, and of course, back then when this was put out, there wasn't quite, I don't, you know, the outrage that there would be now just because social media didn't exist. Not saying that it's any more right when he did it or any more wrong now, but um, that's how I, if I were to go about it with that mindset, that probably would have been the way that I would have, because you can always just say, listen, this is a fictional world that I've created. Any, you know, resemblance to a person's living or dead is purely coincidental. Yeah, so. I'm going to give this game a, a, a total pass, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Uh, this is a simulating game. It is not, it, nowhere does it say anywhere on the documentation or in the box that this is a historical uh, accurate game or a reenactment game, like I said, does have historical well, like I said, when you, but when you put real people in it, you just, turn it yeah. into that. Well, yeah, I mean, I so can you see, can't I can give the game a total pass. You can give it well, a ninety-nine percent. I don't have a problem. I, there's some aspects to it that I like having the real names because it adds to the it adds to the fun, if, especially if you're an American because you know who these guys are. So I mean, but yeah, you're right. It's it's a double edged it's a double edged sword. Um, <clears throat> I. Uh, I also can't help but always feel like a piece of garbage when I screw over the Indians in this game, the Native Americans, because we really screwed them bad in mm-hmm. the real life. And so it's 
and you're right. It's a fantasy world. It's a fantasy world, but it's hard. You can't separate the two, and I can't. Maybe somebody can. Uh, and it's and dealing with the nativeness is vital because uh, for either either way you go, uh, you're going to have to deal with it. So you're got to I don't know, I guess come to grips or come to terms with it. Uh, but uh, yeah, full disclaimer: we that 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 sucked for them. I don't know if you don't yeah. know American history, we did not treat our the native inhabitants well at all. And and really, still don't treat treat them all that well. Um, but I want to touch a, a, on uh, again. I want to go back to the DOS version. I just I'm gonna I, brought, I put a little port comparison up here between the two, and it shows you uh, the two interfaces and how different they are. Uh, if you're watching this at home, and if you're not, the when the Amiga version has all of the different windows for all the different elements of the game, and the DOS version is very similar to Civilization in the boat. Just by yeah. looking at it, you can tell. It's got pull down, uh, pull down menus, but everything's taking place on one screen. Now, uh, I can absolutely see why they made the switch on the Amiga version because, and also, uh, we always complain about people not taking advantage of the Amiga to its fullest, and I think they probably gave it a shot here. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. and so I'm not saying it's bad, but I, having played the other way, I, I found the other way for whatever reason less confusing uh, than than the the Amiga version. Uh, but it, it it's 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 odd that they'd be so different because everything I read this our version was based on the DOS version, but they must have really done a lot of work, you know, to to adapt this to use the uh, the uh, Amiga Windows system. It is uh, really kinda, interesting. Yeah, it's kind of neat, and I don't, I can't think of too many games we've looked at that did it this way. Can you? No. No, like I said, uh, the the what immediately sprang to mind were the mock ports of games like SimCity, but I don't think we've seen anything on the Amiga that had the the, the discrete windowing. That's a new thing. But I am I am puzzled with the why the graphics and all the little tidbits that were in the DOS version didn't make it over. But again, maybe it was a time thing, or maybe who knows? Who knows what limitation it was? But I found it odd, uh, Boaster. Um, so. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we could probably talk about this for two two or more hours, in all honesty. But we might as well go ahead and have a look and see what the uh, see what the uh, critics said about this game when it was released. Uh, I mean, again, a very deep game. <clears throat> uh, Lemon gives us a very high score about of uh, eight point six two. Mm. That's a lofty score for Lemon. Up in the nine is, is that's yeah. a darn good score. Uh, Amiga Computing looked at this and gave it an eighty two percent. Amiga Format gave it a 95. Amiga Power gave it a 93. Uh, CU Amiga gave it a 91. And the one also gave it a 91. The average magazine rating for this, one of the highest I've seen, but 90%. That's great. So, uh, well, very, it deserves it, I think. Very well regarded. Do you want to... Uh, did we get any Discord action on we this did. poster? We did get some Discord action on this one. Uh, Lord Soup will kick it off. He says... I overlooked it for years as Civilization's goofy cousin, but when you lock down its play style, it's really its own beast. No taxation without representation. Blasted limeys. <laughs> he says, top Disclaimer, tip. disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> Have one city with maximum food output to farm colonists. Also, kind of like the jump in the Matrix, no one wins their first revolutionary war. Have fun, guys. All right, uh, Rick, uh, Lord Soup, oh, he also says 9 out of 10. He loved it. Ricky DeRocher says, Colonization is the cool younger cousin to the more well-known civilization. Like Civ, it has deep gameplay that takes a while to learn, but it's addicting when you get into it. This game also includes some incredible background music. Two thumbs up. 
And Jason Warns, the king of the One Word Review, says, Outstanding, 9 out of 10. There you go. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm torn. I mean, I think this is an excellent game. I'm not torn on that. Uh, I think uh, it even with warts and all, and really the warts in this aren't like, we've talked about games that had warts, you know. This has uh, little niggles that we don't like, you know. Uh, but I think this is a game, if you're into this sort of game, this is probably going to be right up your alley when you say boat. Yes, you should definitely play it. If you're an Amiga fan and you liked Civilization and you've not played Colonization because you just thought it was maybe like B-Team, you know, Civ or whatever, give it a go. You'll be surprised. I think in, in terms of uh, options and flexibility, it surpasses Civ by a pretty good distance, the one you say. Civilization one for sure. Yeah. Now I think what they did when they when they made later you know later editions of Civilization, they probably took some lessons that they learned from Colonization and put them in there. So yeah, absolutely. And uh, but as far as what you're going to play on the Amiga, if you're into this type of game, especially if you're one of these micromanagement types, uh, this is uh, quite a winner. And again, there are elements of this that we just barely touch on the exploration element, the fleet element. There's there's just this game has a lot going on. Uh, and, and that you you'll be surprised. I, in fact, this is one I'd go out and get a box copy of. And while we're on the subject, I looked this up on eBay. Boat, mm-hmm. nice transition, right? Uh, you can get the discs, the straight up discs. This five U.S. bucks, you can get them. Wow. But I would go, I'd go the extra mile, uh, Boaster, because you're going to want to get the the rule book. I had access to the little uh, the little cards that mm-hmm. I found the up. Quick and I reference the, card. And I looked at, I found the DOS manual, but I really, that that's one thing. You're going to want to get the Amiga version of this manual to go with this because there are differences, a lot of differences. Uh, and I found these going, uh, none in the U.S., amazingly, but in the, uh, of course, if you're in the U.K., you're laughing. I found box versions that were going anywhere from 17 to 35 bucks. So mm, not a horrible price Yeah. Uh, uh, for this one, Boatster. So overall, though, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, this was my pick, so I guess I should enjoy it, but, but I, <laughs> I, I haven't decided if I like this. I mean, there are advantages over the DOS verse. It's a mixed bag, but I am I am. I will say I'm happy to see the Amiga got a competent uh, port of this that took advantage of the Amiga's special talents. But sounds good, man. Well, let's kick it on over to our YouTube channel, Aaron. There's been a lot of action going on over there. What do we got? That. Well, we did have a lot of action this week, boat. Uh, let's kick it off. Uh, well, of course. Before we get into anything, Boat gave this a good uh, shot. You know, I didn't I didn't watch your playthrough, Boat. How did this first one go for you? Did you have any trouble picking it up? Uh, well, this this wasn't my first play. I, I had a couple, you know, practice plays first. Oh, I see. Um, but uh, but I definitely, uh, you know, and this is still during that part of the week where I didn't really realize you could take massive amounts of people back to the back to the colony with you. Yeah, and so uh, if you're a, if you are an experienced colonization player, you will probably want to throw your computer out the window. But if you just want to look to see what the systems are like, how the how the screens look, and all that stuff, you can do worse than than, than checking out my playthrough. It's it's about you know, forty minutes long, and uh, I I think that I hit some of the high points. You shouldn't feel bad about that doc thing because it well, I did the same thing many times. And I would often just also forget and do it wrong and then screw up. It was it was it's irritating. That they like I said that that screen needed work mm-hmm. in my opinion. So don't feel bad about that one. Um, so let's talk about what me and the Brent got into last week. We were at it again uh, this time. Funny games, uh, and uh, this time around I went with the uh, game 3DO sort of mascot character Gex, and the Brent surprisingly, and some might say 
stupidly picked for his funny game Battle Chess. Uh, I've been waiting all week, Boat. Is Battle Chess a funny game? You know, here's my... I, I've ceased to comment on the uh, these videos on YouTube because every time I do, you call me up and yell at me. But I will say that I agree with the Brent on this one. Funny is in the eye of the beholder. And uh -huh. you can argue all day long if Battle Chess is a good game or a bad game because... You do have to wait forever for stuff Thank to you. happen. That's all you. That's all I wanted you to say but, right there. But it is a humorous game. The animations are, in many cases, humorous. So I agree with Brent that it's a funny game. I agree with you that it is not the go-to chess game for chess players that are taking the game seriously because it is so slow. I will admit that there are some... This is at the skirting the very edge of the definition of funny. I ought to give you that. But the fact that he fought me that this is not slow and tedious is ludicrous. And clearly, the Brent hasn't played this off of a floppy disk or anything anytime soon. We got into if you like to see me and the Brent scream at each other. Yeah, this, this is the this show was, for you. This was an adversarial episode for sure. Yes, it was. Uh, I, your good buddy, me, uh, put up a four and a half hour Amiga gameplay extravaganza. You can see from this footage that the games are fast and furious. That's <laughs> Like this game, but uh, I had a couple streams uh, from the past couple weeks that uh, uh, on uh, uh, on my stream channel, and I thought, you know, I'm going to bring these things over and package them up in the four and a half hours of me playing Amiga games. And by God, that's what I did. I got the Amiga, I fired this sucker up boat, and it was time to go to work and play a ton of Amiga games. We had a great time, had a good crowd for all these. Yeah, games. But somehow, I mean, I I don't remember when this stream was, but I totally missed it, and I went back and watched it. And you play a ton of awesome games. Sometimes I forget there are so many great games on the Amiga since we end up playing what we do on the show. Well, but I, the I, I paid. I've tried to on the second. I, there were two streams I kind of sewed together. And on the second one, I tried to play some things I never played ever. Yeah, that was my and goal. A lot of them look great. Yeah. Yeah. We found some winners in here, uh, but we had a good crowd. I've got the chat in there with you. So if you just want to kick back and relax and throw this on the background and watch uh, watch me play four and a half hours of Amiga games on the Unamiga, this is the stream for you. It's It's been quite well received, Boat, so yes. I think that's that's a fun one. Let's talk about, uh, oh man, here we go. This is the, this is one, the, this is the, uh, this week in retro for this week. You want to talk about this one? Yeah, so this week, uh, speaking of Amiga news, uh, this is actually last week's <laughs> This Week in Retro. We've we released another one since then, but this is where we talk all about the Buffy, Aaron. We talked about this last week, the uh, the new accelerator for the Amiga that that it comes in at a low price point, but really only offers you speed uh, and uh, and some RAM rather than you know HDMI and other capabilities. You but you seem down on this thing. I, I can't figure out why. For the life of me, it's super the, cheap. It gives you unbelievable power and memory. My well, God, what do you here's want? The thing, Aaron. You know, the 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 Buffy clocks in at about, you know, one hundred and thirty to two hundred dollars. You're edging real, real close to buying, you know, an Unamiga. Or, it's one thirty nine you know, to yeah. and one uh, seventy nine for, okay. for the one with the higher memory. Yeah. OK. And it just seems like that's a lot of money for doing something to your Amiga that I would never see any benefit from because well, I only play games on the Amiga and you're you not going to. It's not like it's not like speed turns bad games into good games. Yeah. But the extra memory would help. And this speed never hurts. What do you mean? How it would just it just would. Memory is oh. always good. 
I'm not it's saying like ADA listen, makes everything better. This isn't for you, Boat. All right. But you asked me why I was down it. on it. I have to answer. Right. But I mean, you're, you don't need to kill it. I think it's a pretty good product that they've got coming out here, especially if you want to keep your Amiga mostly intact, you know, this and, and not have the vampire in there. And you, or you can't afford it or you can't or you can't access it. Plus, there's a brilliance to the simplicity of this. And the brilliance is there's less likelihood of a lot of headaches. All right, you know what I'm saying? There's less likelihood of a lot of weirdness. Everyone knows it, that anything about the vampire, you get a lot of there's a lot going on and you get a lot of weird stuff that happens. Why are you burying this, the vampire? I'm not burying the vampire, but it's a fact. The more complicated a piece of kit you've got, the more likelihood that you're going to run into problems. This thing, I, I think this is going to be a very stable uh uh cheap thing to give your Amiga, your classic Amiga some speed and some memory. I, I, when it comes out, I'm looking, looking forward to see what it can what it can do in the uh, in the real world, Boat. Well I'm just kind of surprised you're killing this thing. I can't figure it out. I just, it's, 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 it's not, I, listen, I'm all for Amiga hardware. Any, any kind of Amiga hardware, I'm all for it. Is a, is an Amiga gamer, I just don't think that it's for me. That's all I'm saying. Well, I That's mean, I'm, 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 I understand, but We've commented on a lot of stuff that wasn't for us that we still didn't bury it. That's all I'm saying. No, I bury everything I don't understand. That's what well, you are. You, listen, I'm going to start calling you the Undertaker because you bury everything you see. <laughs> so speaking of, speaking of a burial here, we're not going to bury our good buddy Jack Flack. Now this is interesting, Boatster. Uh, the Flackster. I missed this one the other night because our power was flickering on off, so I shut all the devices down and get to see it. But uh, uh, Flack goes and plays himself a little bit of Dino eggs. Dino eggs. I know. I've always pronounced it just like he does. Dino that's, eggs. That's I, hilarious. I always called it that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I do you think that Dino, do you think that they named him that because they were thinking about Dean Martin? I, no, I don't think that. <laughs> because why else would they call him Dino? Well, because it, Dino and Dino are pretty close. You know, listen, I don't well, know yeah, the well, there's just a lot of puns and crap in there. That's what they do on the Flintstones. It's Dean Martin. Listen, no, you're nuts. So anyway, what was interesting about this is if you uh, if you if you scroll down here, uh, the guy that did the game commented on this video and, and, and actually uh, goes and shed some light on some of the stuff that Flack talked about. And he's very complimentary of the way that Flack played this. He says a lot of people that review the game don't get in there and and dig out the uh, little tiny tidbits and they give it a bad review or don't understand the way stuff works. And Flack got in there with both hands and dug into that sucker. So he's very complimentary. I always like it when people that uh, write the games leave comments, Boats. I think that's kind of neat. So Yeah, yeah. And check out the latest edition of the Sprite Castle podcast where Flack goes even more in depth with uh, with Dino Eggs. And uh, I listened to that today. It was great. I haven't got to hear the new one yet, but I, I did watch some of this after the fact. Very cool. I, li- I, li- I love that kind of stuff. Now, this... Where did this come from, Boat? Holy cow. Out of nowhere. Like a shot from above. It's our buddies at Pixelgaden. It's Eric, in fact. And he's got a gimmick here. He has teamed up with with Dave in Arizona. The wide, wide world of Retro Man. Mm-hmm. The 3D printing master. And they've come up with something quite awesome, Boat. Have you seen this yet? I have. I watched this earlier today. Yes, this is something that Eric had printed out. It's a wedge. It's a 3D printed wedge computer chassis for his Mister. It, it looks very much like a black Amiga 600. It does, and to, except for with a better keyboard. Yeah. So Eric went out and got himself one of these uh, nice mechanical keyboards, right? 
And then they printed this thing out. And I believe someone commented on, on the actual guy who put this thing together, Lee Smith's workshop. It, it, it designed this because Eric had mentioned in the video he was trying to get hold of this guy to, to throw some money his way. But this is quite a design. And when you put that keyboard in there and you shove the old mister in there, all of a sudden now you got something. But what'd you think of this thing? It looks great. It looks great. Uh, you know, I love wedge shaped computers. So and having a special like discrete keyboard for the mister sort of makes it more real rather yeah. than if you just take like an old Dell PS2 keyboard and hook it up to it. And you're just like, what are we doing here? This is like when I'm playing games, I'm I'm using my mister. Everything's right there. And yeah. it, it helps you kind of create that illusion of coolness. I guess it's not an illusion of coolness. It really is coolness. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, this is a really cool project for sure. If if I had a mister, I would get something like this to put it in. Maybe this exact thing. The bottom of it worries me a little bit because of the grid. Because I know I dump this thing right up a pop right on top of this thing. Sure as I'm sitting here and, and flood it. But and the design of this 3D printed case uh, is will accommodate other aspects of the mister that Eric doesn't even have. Mm-hmm. There's extra stuff you can get there. You've got room for expansion in there. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So this was great. I gotta give uh, this came out of nowhere. It's it's another one that's been well received. So good job. I knew the Pixel Gaiden guys were coming here and, and go to the pay window boat and mm-hmm. right out of the gate. There it is. So with the him and sanction. So all we need now is Cody to get up in here with something. We'll be right right up. But good job. That was great. I really enjoyed this. And Dave once again proves his weight, uh, proves his worth in 3D printing. Uh, by putting together something else he's he's printing everybody crap boat this guy should be in business man so good stuff to check that out if you're at all into 3d printing or the mister or just like neat stuff now here's another one i think this is if i'm not mistaken boat is this from our good buddy hermski that's right what do we got here boat so what paul has done is he's uh he's he's got a book here this is uh the games collection for the spectrum this is from the personal computer century series and uh, what he has done is he's opened it up and he's found a program and he's typed it in and he's shown us what it is. These, these are awesome videos because oh, yeah. there, there's not a whole lot of coverage on YouTube of type in games because nobody wants to go through the trouble of actually typing them in. Right. Uh, this is a game called Outlaw. And it's it's basically got two phases. You've got a kind of shooting gallery stage where you're you're shooting cans off a wall, and then you actually go into a uh, a shootout with another person, almost like the old arcade game gunfight a little bit. And uh, and so this is a, a really neat. I watched this earlier today. Uh, I really like Paul's got one of those. Uh, calm relaxing voices you know yeah. and so he, he's a good guy to listen to if you're at all into the spectrum check this thing out this looks like a great game this just went up today uh so i hadn't even seen this man this game looks pretty this you know the last one he typed in was awesome too these <laughs> games look a lot better than anything that i ever typed in on the atari <laughs> that's what I all was of thinking. my atari type in games were like ascii graphics yeah. like not not cool so yeah these all the both these look better than anything i ever typed in on the coco ever <laughs> I think Curtis may differ, but these look great. So good mm-hmm. job, Hermsky. I like the fact that everyone's bringing something different to the table. I love it. Yeah, and Hermsky's again thinking outside the thinking outside the box. Uh, boat. Speaking of outside the box, we'll conclude the videos this week with our good buddy Frodo, and Frodo is added again. More ColecoVision uh, games. Uh, this is from a stream Frodo did a little while back. Uh, with these, and, it, and what I like with this is Frodo is not real familiar with the ColecoVision, so this is all basically new to him. And a lot right. of people watching aren't, aren't familiar. Listen, I've played a ton of ColecoVision, and I'd only seen about a third or a fourth of the games he played. 
he's getting some real weird, rare stuff on here to go along. Like, look at that boat. He's playing a lot of homebrew and stuff. That looks awesome. I don't know what that game is, but it looks great. <laughs> there are so many games that I'm 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 looking through this stream oh. and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to play that. Oh my gosh, I've, I've got to play that. So yeah. thank you, Frodo, for unearthing these games because uh, you know I just wouldn't find out about them otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, Frodo's another guy. He's got a he's the ultimate laid back streamer. He just kicks back. He's chatting. He's having a good time. He also knows when to pull. He also knows when to get the hook out and 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 take a game and kick it to the curb and pull up something else. Mm -hmm. He's got good timing on that, but he's not too impatient. He does a great job. So check this out. And I think Frodo's finished up his Coleco and has moved on to. Uh, I think the last time I saw him streaming, I believe he was streaming CPC stuff. But I think so, you're right. I think he's and, going through. Maybe he'll go through the entire CPC catalog. Holy, that'll smokes. take him one to two decades. <laughs> it's one thing I, I asked him about. I noticed the, the majority of the games he was trying on CPC that didn't support the joystick. So I don't know mm. what was Eddie. He told me that I mean, the, the CPC had a built-in joystick port, but I found that odd. But yeah. I'm sure he'll uncover some good, solid gold money uh, there, Boatster. Uh, so there you go, Boat. Some there, That's what we had on offer this week over at Amigos Retro Gaming on YouTube. Uh, please uh, check us out. Uh, like and subscribe, as the man says. And if you are feeling particularly froggy, uh, check us out on Twitch. Uh, me and the boat uh, will get on there and stream quite often. Uh, in fact, uh, every Friday after the show, I, I'll do a couple-hour stream of something on there. Uh, so uh, we always uh, look for you guys to check us out any way you want. We've got Twitch and YouTube going. Now, Aaron, we uh, we we move on to uh, the section of the show where we recognize people that have just joined up supporting Amigos through Patreon. And we want to thank a new Patreon supporter, George Rosansky. So we welcome him with open arms. Uh, I'd also like to take the time to uh, thank all the fine folks that subscribe to us on Twitch. Uh, you know, we record the show every Friday night around five o'clock. Uh, that's Eastern time. Uh, whether it's Eastern standard or Eastern daylight time is still unsure. Um, the, uh, we want to thank Still Adolescing, Lord Soup, Z9K9, Peepolo, Frodo and L, Blue Train, Rule of Thirds, John Marshall, Paul Kitching, Retro Jerry, Gary Heather, Smedger One, Paco Take, Retro Rewind.ca, Macintosh Librarian, Chronosnet, Buck Owens, Hermsky, Pints and Amiga, Uber Scuba Diver, Barkbit, Wide World of Retro, Mitsuyama, Bruce Sayer, Captain Chaos DK, Jost 80, Blah Blah 5372, Great <laughs> Al G, Christian Russell, Jigglebox, Da Crabs, MTG, Negsol, and Eeyore 4077. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to us on Twitch. Thank you. Now, Aaron, last week there was no Patreon song, and that was to prepare your ears for what Ooh. is to come tonight. Uh, so every every once in a while, the stars align and the greatest musicians in history come together on our Discord channel I'm to skeptical. produce what can only be described as a musical smorgasbord. So if you know, oh, the answer to this week's Patreon song challenge, send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com and I will read you as a winner next week. All right, Aaron. Hit the music. Daniel Crabtree, 
off the chain man yeah that was yeah, awesome so, i loved it i, I you know that i i've got to i've got to say the the musicianship i'm not talking about myself of course i'm talking about the other guys in the no, band you're horrible you know, yeah figgy on keys reflection on bass picks on the vocals and the incomparable paul harrington on the drums boss man 
getting it done. That is a very difficult song for everyone. Don't short sell the vocals either, because having to fit all of those names in a comprehensible way in a song that's as complicated as that, that is just really, really, really difficult. So everybody, awesome job. Uh, thank you guys so much for for putting that together. And, uh, you know, it's 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 a good time, the Patreon band. So we are we are looking for a logo. Uh, if any of our listeners want to uh, want to create that for us, we'd appreciate it. We want it to be like some sort of a starship, like the Boston logo or the ELO, the ELO logo. Yeah, right, there you go. Right. You know, so. I will say before you talk about short change in the lyric, the singing in this. Trust me when I say this, and this is not a slight. Like Pixels is like Adele compared to you, Bode. He's, <laughs> I, just, I don't well, want to bear you. Saying, I, I know mean, you're the Undertaker of the show, but I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I love. I'll, he, he does a fine job. It was all. It was top shelf all around. I particularly yeah. like the cool Rush like keyboard break that was in there. Yeah, that, that analog synth was incredible. So. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. All right, so. uh and of course, before we go, uh, we got to thank all the fine folks that have joined us live in chat. We had a pretty good chat, uh, pretty good crowd here in the chat tonight, Aaron. Um, we had, uh, of course, Duncan Styles and Pixels at Dawn Gaming, our fine, fine moderators. Of course, Pix doubles as vocalist of the Patreon band and the chairman of the Amigos Game Selection Committee. Duncan Styles does all of our graphics work as well as he's the video producer of the This Week in Retro podcast that Neil and I do. So Dunk yeah. uh, is, is, a, is a man among men as well. Yes, he is. Absolutely. And here in the chat with us, we've got ACP Design, uh, Amiga Gamer 1200, Amiga Live, Andy Magic Knight, uh, Barkbit, Bitstorm, Brock101, Buck Owens, Cobrian, Commander Root, Data Dog, Delamort78, Edvin, Helen from the Man Cave, Eeyore4077 from the Brent Cave, mm-hmm. Electrical Longboard, Figgy78, uh, Flask Copy, Frodo and L, Hermsky, Jason Warns, Jost80, Kasserin, Knight Rider82, listening from the car, L Curtis B, listening <laughs> from the cold, Mitsuyama, Olav Hope, Paul Kitching, Picard 2010, R Typer, Real Refi, Retro Rewind.ca, Ricky DeRocher, Riker 77, Rob O'Hara, Silly Gnome 225, Tom Toms, Tacking Alias, Vector Funk, Bigger Pros, Worlds of Rogue, and Z9K9. Thank you That's so, guys, so much. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming, y'all. Now, Aaron, next week, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, this week, of course, you chose colonization for us. It was your pick. And that was so a winner, Boat. It was a winner. You did well with that. I appreciate it. Um, next week, <laughs> so we want, sincere. <laughs> we're going to be playing a... This is another game that apes the Zelda franchise. Aaron, oh. your, your favorite role-playing game, The Legend of Zelda. Please tell me Zelda 2. Uh, this is Legends by Chrysalis. This is not Legend by Mindscape. So when you play this game, make sure you find the Legends with an S or you'll play the wrong game. Legends. Yeah, Legends. Okay. So this is some sort of uh, top-down action, right? not RPG. Exactly, exactly. I like action. I think it's only available on AGA, too, so it's sure to be a winner. Um, And, of course, before we go, we want to give one more shout-out to our sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. If you are an Amiga or a Commodore 64 user and you're in North America, you want to find some parts that are made on-site, not to put together in the deepest holes of the Far East, check them out. Give them your business. They deserve it. Yeah, and the stuff's cheap, man. Cheap, good stuff. Cheap and good are my favorite words. Yeah. 
All right, Aaron. Thanks for being here, man. It would suck to do the show by myself. Virtual hug, boat. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. Until then, adios. adios.